You are listening to the Heart of Tradition podcast. Hello. Today on the podcast, we will be talking about iodine deficiency and the reality behind it. I think there's a part of this whole iodine dilemma that a lot of people don't talk about, which is animal iodine. And so we have everybody seeking out all these different types of supplements and, you know, vegetal and mineral and different types of forms of iodine. And the problem is it's all about assimilation. And so you can't, I mean, it doesn't mean that they don't help to some degree, but they don't, <laughs> you can't find the really healing power of them. You just kind of, um, I guess, how could I explain it? Um, you don't see an intense result behind them. You see something like, almost like throwing a bunch of stones at the wall and seeing which ones stick or whatever, you know? And so, um, which hardly any will, right? Um, but so this is, this is one of the big problems with, uh, weight loss today, uh, not only weight loss, but detoxification in general, you know, a lot of weight has to do with diluting toxins in the body, you know, using water and fat and, you know, also there's a hormonal side to it, but so the body's trying to not be affected so much by all this intoxination through dilution of that, um, toxin, um, uh, you know, tumor genesis and cancer. Well, that's that's also kind of a, a wrapping of that toxin to where it doesn't harm the body. So that's even for even worse toxins. But uh, there's many ways the body, and then, and then that also creates more more material, right, to do that. And so this is also connected to um, you know weight gain. So we end up getting bigger and bigger and bigger to protect ourselves. And then not only that. Um, there's another side to weight gain, which is about empty calories as well. So we have all this empty food that doesn't have any vitamins and then the genetics are passed down very quickly, epigenetics, um, to the, to the, to the child, um, and re, re-triggered by the child because he's, he re-triggers those epigenetics because he's still in that same environment. It doesn't mean that he's you know, predestined to be, you know, like kind of like in a world of pain and trouble. It's not always that. It's that he's, he's, he's again, once again, in that same environment that triggered the epigenetics of the mother or whatever. So if he was pulled out of that environment, there would be a whole different thing going on there. But we forget that and we kind of just blame genetics or whatever. And so he's re-triggered by that. And, and so it passes down that information that, hey, there's no food in your environment. There's no real vitamins. So get as much as you can and we'll try to staple together a vitamin with all this food you eat. And so like a lot of weight gain has to do with malnutrition as well. Um, so, but I wanted to focus on the iodine part because this is the part that, you know, the, the more toxins there are in society from heavy metals to glycated products through soy, through... Uh, you know, these glycated proteins, all these like, um, you know, granular soy isolate and all this stuff you see in everything we buy now, um, plus all the heavy metals, plus, um, um, you know, acid residues and plus the toxins coming from every other type of chemical and, and uh, glyphosate and, and, you know, atrazine and, you know, and then, then we add to that the, 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 <laughs> The subatomic, you know, like iodine-131, 
which is blocking the absorption of real iodine and that being in the air since Chernobyl and probably through, you know, nuclear physics being, you know, a nuclear, you know, energy being part of our energy system, there's these consequences. Now, you have all this stuff to fight and the one thing that you need to fight it with is iodine. <laughs> so iodine, the more stuff you have to fight, the more iodine you need, right? And we know that iodine helps break down fat. We know that. Um, and so, you know, the iodine is needed to um, build up, um, pull out and get rid of these toxins. Now, also at the, you know, even at the digestive level, people would take iodine um, in, the, well, I think in certain types of like formulations and it helps with the, you know, constipation and different things like that. That was a, that was on a different score, but you still see that sometimes that's also helped with detoxification because once again, a lot of the toxins come out through the bile, which come out through the stools. And so you kind of see this overall connection of iodine. Uh, well, even in the color of the bile, I mean, it kind of, I don't, I don't know, I don't have any proof for this, but it does seem intuitive that the bile, that color kind of, you know, all these dark colors, like have this iodine, you know, kind of rich iodine soils, for example, is, is how they grew, um, what was it called? Indigo. And so, well, I mean, a lot of the iodine, you know, is in these soils that are on the, near the ocean too. I mean, not all oceans, of course, like Pacific is, has some weakness there, but like, you know, algae, high seaweed kind of oceans, like, you know, picture Ireland, Scotland and Northwest and Northeast and, you know, this kind of, or Greece, I mean, Greek, the Greeks don't have any iodine deficiency. I mean, it's crazy because they're just surrounded by all of that. And so, um, so there is, you know, soils, um, that are in these areas, these kind of like, I guess you could call palm tree kind of areas. Um, yeah, they have iodine, uh, rich soil, um, to some degree. Now, of course you can have sandy soil and you can have other things like that, but, but, um, the, these regions pull in a lot of iodine, the most powerful of which, I mean, at least in my little small circuit that I've done was Charleston. Charleston was, they used to, they've, de they debated on calling it the, they, it's called the Palmetto state, but they used to call it the iodine state. Uh, oh, they didn't used to call it, but they debated. That was one of the names they were using uh, as uh, a moniker, but they did, it was outvoted. But so what that just means is that this place was known for that. I mean, if you look in like France, you know, you go to an oyster bar, it's called, they're called bar iod, meaning iodine bars. So there was a notion of using iodine as a key word back in our ancestors days. And they wouldn't, they would have called a state the iodine state because they knew they needed it and they knew it was good. Um, and it also helped the vegetation. They knew the milk was better. They knew a lot of things were better whenever this iodine was present. So for me personally, how I discovered this was I, you know, traveled from Asheville to Ch Charleston to Pacific California and back to Texas. And I've had to face all this iodine changes. And what I've noticed is it's been really hard to lose weight or even stabilize sometimes. I mean, I've been able to stabilize, but it's been really hard to lose weight, um, and, um, even though I don't really need to lose much, but it's just more like that, that, that constant never going below zero kind of thing. And, um, and so I was like, wow, that's, that's, that was happening to me so intensely in a few different places. 
like um, in Appalachia, which is up there in Asheville in the mountains. And then I found out they had iodine deficiency historically there because of the region itself, because of, you know, the mountains, they're famous for that. And we have like cretinism and all these, you know, we also have goiter surgeries. We have all these things that trace those routes, at least before we had all these modern foods that, that would give us some sort of different choices and stuff. People were really in trouble if you changed some of their traditions around because, you know, from the sauerkraut fermentation on down to the milk and the butter, like if you started messing with a few little parameters, they could, you'd pull away the little bit of iodine uh, that they were bringing in to keep them healthy. And so um, now it's kind of like been smokescreened by all this selection, I guess. But so those realities are still there. And the sad thing is, is the more that there's toxins, the more you need the iodine. So once again, you get into this like vicious circle where you can't get out. And, uh, so when I went to Charleston, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't gain weight. It was the opposite. It was like, everything was perfect. My body was like, I could actually lose if I wanted to, depending on what I was doing. It, it wasn't so fixed, you know? And I know that the body sets a fixed weight point. This is something I've found through intuition and I'm sure there's all sorts of proof for it online now. But so, um, you know, this fixed weight point based on hormones. So you have a certain amount of hormones that are produced not only by the weight itself, but even in the bones, you know how they say that the bones grow through, you know, impact. Well, there's some of that reality with, with the hormones. And so the hormones are also secreted. Well, that's how the bones grow anyway, through the hormones being secreted and signaling that. And so this kind of, uh, this is the reason that women gain weight during menopause because they need to make up for the lack of hormones. There's a lack of hormones. They just lost estrogens and other things, um, from the birth cycle, like ending, um, and then now they need that. They need those extra hormones that they weren't getting anymore. They're not protected anymore um, by those hormones. And so, you know, the ovarian hormones. So uh, the weight gain is, is appropriate and it's supposed to happen to some degree. You're supposed to go up a dress size or whatever it is. And so this is, I mean, we can fight it, which a lot of people do, and you know, and, and, and we don't accept whatever that process is, you know, that our ancestors accepted and this was part of life. And and, and, you know, and, and, and you moved into a different phase of your life, you know, educational, this, that, and the other, but you weren't, you weren't focused on the, the creative birth. You had a different type of birthing that you'd be doing after that. And so, but a lot of people resist that in today's world because it's all based on image and, and things. So anyway, um, this kind of reality, um, cannot be escaped, this iodine reality. And I feel like it's connected to the weight point. Like it allows you to, allows the body to need less weight. Because the iodine is picking up on that. It's able to push out some of the weight, some of the toxins, some of the things that are contained there and trigger that release of those things. A little bit like, you know, tumors can come down too. Um, and I feel like there's something in the body which is allowing that tumor to be degraded at the exact time that probably the toxin within the tumor has been degraded from within. So whatever that tumor's working down that toxin, whenever that toxin is finally worked down, then the tumor can 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 work itself down too. And so this does this does happen. Um but so but typically the problem is is people can't first do no harm, which is the first rule of medicine. They can't get free of harm. And that's the problem with 5G with the you know, with the iodine deficiency, with magnesium, all these other deficiencies, like they can't get free of harm. And so they, they stay in the cycle. You know, they go to a hospital and the hospital's got 35 towers on the roof of 5G or 4G or whatever. 
And so it's like they just can't get free of it. And so that's why they, they don't pull out of it. So, and then we blame genetics or whatever we have to just to, to, to not see that it's the environment that's causing everything, right? So, um, so what I found was I found an interesting solution here in Texas because Texas also has a lot of iodine deficiency. You know, it's landlocked and there's other reasons for that. I mean, it, the vegetation, you know, like... Um, you, you, you can test these things through other elements. It's not just the sea, right? But the sea does help and the distance from it. And so, so there is that part, but there, you know, you can also have a region that may be rich in, uh, like, I guess you could say some sort of marshes, but, um, you know, that would typically be close to the sea as well. Um, can you have a region that's rich in iodine that's not near any sea like, uh, region? Um, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question, but I do know that certain things can make it worse. There may be a, like a normal level, which is fine, and then you have a heightened deficient level when you move up into certain mountains, a lot of mountains, but also, um, you know, for uh, what for other reasons, pollution and everything that's in the air and stuff like that can pull these things out and make it to where it's not able to function at the normal level. We need to just get back to normal level, yeah? It doesn't have to be like Charleston or the iodine state, but we have to get back to normal so what I found, which has been working here in Texas, and I've been able to start losing weight, um, uh, is like you take, you have to get raw cheese. I mean, no, raw milk and try to find A2 milk. So A2 would be like Jersey, Guernsey, um, you know, even there might even be some other A2 cattle milk that I like Devon and um, running around, um, <clears throat> I don't know, Dexter maybe, I don't, know. I don't know, I've never looked into that one, but running around America, there might be other milks, but <clears throat> what I've noticed is, you know, you could sometimes order this from the Amish farms in, in, in Pennsylvania, and they'll send you the milk just by, you know, it's, a, it's expensive to send milk, but like, you know, it, it might be worth it for you, and so, you know, we're spending all this money trying to heal this stuff, so this might not be that expensive if it's a hundred bucks a month or two, or 150 for you to pull it off, right? <clears throat> so that's one way you can get it. But so what I get is I found that there's doing raw milk. Now I'm not sure if it doesn't work with non-raw milk. I haven't figured, I haven't tested that, but I have a feeling that it works also with with that pasteurized, not like you know high pasteurization or ultra high temperature and all this kind of stuff, but like a typical like slower pasteurization. I think it could work depending on the richness of the milk and iodine initially. So you find this if you find this A2 milk. And you find a raw A2 milk, well, even better. And so then you take a couple gallons or a gallon and, per week. And like I'm doing a couple gallons now, so I'm testing it with that. Um, but so you do like a gallon or two per week of milk. Now, when you pour the milk, you pour it into a glass bowl, you know, two different glass bowls for two gallons. And so what happens is it becomes gelatin-like after about two days in a Texas typical kitchen without AC or whatever, you just kind of leave it. And so about two days, it'll get, um, I have, I buy red heat lamps, you know, that you buy from Home Depot. They're actually the old incandescent lamps and I use those in my kitchen. So you can put them under that too, if you want, if you have AC on or whatever. And so, um, <clears throat> so that, um, you leave it there for about two days. It becomes like a gelatin-like thing. You throw it in an organic um, pillowcase, you know, like some really nice organic pillowcase that you buy for this purpose. Or you can find cheesecloth that hasn't been processed or, you know, like healthy cotton, I guess. Um, I always try to find organic when I can, but <clears throat> I actually use cheesecloth too. Um, so, and then you 
pour it, you put it all in like the cheesecloth and then you hang that. You know, you could put the cheesecloth in like a huge pot and then throw, pour it on there and then pull it up. And then you can either spin it around and tie it or you can just make a hole and stick a stick in there and turn that around and then put that on something. So there's a few ways to hang it and then you leave it for overnight. You can't leave it for eight hours. I mean, five hours. You have to leave it overnight. And so that the next day you pull out this amazing, I mean, it almost comes off naturally. I mean, you take like a butter knife and, and skim off the cream and everything from the sheet when you pour it all down and you pull it, put it into a, a clean bowl. But um, in general, I also buy iodine. Well, I, iodine cofactors are in vanilla. There's not iodine per se, but uh, there's cofactors and that's very important for the assimilation. So I put iodine, I mean, uh, vanilla extract of a high quality no like weird gum or strange sugars or oils, just the stuff in the alcohol. Boom. That's it. Um, and then I'll put that, um, in there or the grains. You can buy the actual, um, vanilla. You can order from Amazon cause there's too expensive anywhere else. And you get like the actual kind of wet grain, um, uh, pods and you can kind of scrape those out and do that too. So, um, and then I kind of eat it with honey. So I get a, like, I get good honey and I put a huge spoon of it and then I just eat, you know, I always use a spoon that's like a silver spoon. You could use a wooden spoon, which is better for honey, but just don't use a regular spoon because you get all these metals. Um, you can actually taste the metals when you eat the honey with it. So anyway, um, I'll be right back. So yeah, as I was saying, you, you take this, um, once it's done, this farmer's cheese is what it's called. And uh, it's actually a soft cheese, which is, doesn't taste like cheese. It tastes like, like um, I don't know what you would call that. Like, what do they call that? Um, is it yogurt? No, it's something else. It's not cottage cheese, because cottage cheese is like very salty. <clears throat> so it tastes like kind of like a sweet form of like ricotta or something, you know, but a sweet form, not like salty. And so this eats really well with honey. And uh, it's basically the way, you know, there's a lot of studies in the UK on iodine and milk and how the milk concentrates all the iodine in the region. It concentrates, it's a concentrator, just like capers are in the mountains, but the capers are on a vegetal level. So the, the medicinal power of the animal iodine is totally different. And so when you start using it through the animal nature and you're using it in this way, you start to really get something out of it. Now, if you were just to drink the milk in and of itself, the problem is you would drink the whey and the whey, depending on the person, I mean, okay, if you're a real thin person and you're trying to like bulk up or whatever it is, then you might try just going through the milk, um, straight and you will gain a lot of weight and that might be what you're looking for. Um, but I found that like the best way to do this is this way. Maybe the fermentation, we know that fermentation increases vitamin and mineral absorption. And so there could be something there to that. Okay. But so I've found that I have to get rid of the way and, and it's not just me like telling you what to do. This is, there's, there's some realities here. Like, you know, in Parmesan and Parma where they make Parmesan, they would, you know, feed the way from the Parmesan production to the pigs, which creates the, uh, prosciutto de Parma. And so these pigs would get fat off of the way. This is well known on the farm. Yeah. And so that you don't, and we know too, I mean, we have whey proteins and all this kind of stuff for bulking up. So I get rid of the whey and you can use the whey for other things. You can use it for plants and stuff like that. I think you have to feed plants that can tolerate acidity. 
like not roses and stuff like that, but you know, certain types of plants um, are amazing with it. And, and so you dilute it with water and you can feed it to plants or whatever. I'm sure if you dilute it with water, you can feed it to anything, but, um, but if you're doing it stronger, you want to keep away from certain types of plants that are, that are not, they, you know, they resist all acidity kind of thing. So, um, so once you have this final thing, you just, you can just pile through it. You don't have to like eat it every day, once a day and this kind of thing. If you want, go ahead. But I just pile through it. I almost treat it the same way that in the old days in the medical milk world, they called it medical milk back in the day. And it was a certified milk, um, you know, because, you know, if, if women can't find milk and they, they're dry, they have to find a better solution than all these milk powders and, you know, which are completely industrialized and even like, you know, almond milk, all this stuff, none of that stuff contains any of the fertility vitamins, A, D, E, and K, none of it. It's all just ridiculous. There's a small amount of anything in there and there's no retinol. There's no cholesterol, which is what you need, especially a growing child. You know, most of your brain, I'd say about 60, 70% of your brain is cholesterol. Isn't that crazy? And we're supposed to stay away from it? No. Look at all the Alzheimer's. So, <clears throat> so there's this idea that, um, you know, once you start taking it the right way and taking it through um, this system, you can, you know, in the milk cure, oh yeah, that's what I was saying, the milk cure, they would do it like three or four days in a row and they would just eat nothing but the milk as their food. Um, and so raw milk. And so this is the deal is like, you're able to do this. Um, so I kind of copy that same system, but with this farmer's cheese and you go through it, you just knock it out. And what happens is over time, you realize you're not gaining weight from the milk, but you would have gained weight if you were drinking just the milk. And so even if it was the good quality milk, um, and so this is how I found, I know that in Russia, they actually mix kefir of the milk with farmer's cheese to, you know, so that that's interesting. That's, that's another variation that I might have to play with, but but I, I found that I don't need kefir as much because even if it's done naturally, your body at a certain point starts to resist you putting all these ferments and, and bacterias. And, you know, once it gets to a stable flora, it doesn't like tons of fermentation either. Like the fermentation is great, but it's like, and, the, and you can have a little bit daily and it's kind of, you know, but, but, but I've noticed that with time, you establish a stable flora that doesn't need too much input anymore. And so um, <clears throat> now there can be enzyme associations and things like that you can watch out for, you know, like, you know, pickles with ham and sauerkraut and things like that. And, you know, just to bring out some enzymes that are needed at the meal. Um, that's different. But um, but the body becomes free of all these type of dependencies, even on even on that. And so um, so just trying to help people because this has been like a little bit mind blowing for me because I'm starting to see that my body is like not, not going up anymore and it's stabilizing and that's hard to do in the American system. It was much easier in another system, but like when I lived in Europe for 15 years, but here in this system, man, like your body just wants to keep going up and up because there's so much toxination and there's not enough iodine to pull it out. So this is a way to do it. And so with all the people who are anti-milk, anti-this and all that, you got to be careful because there is some truth to healing and the thyroid and things with milk. I get all that. But this is the only way to get the iodine. And so sometimes this, this is the concentrator of iodine in a given region. That's what I'm showing you the mystery of right here. And so you're able to concentrate that, eat that, knock out a gallon or two a week, 
and start healing this deficiency from the animal side. So this is a very powerful um, idea if you start putting it in place. Use it with your sport and whatever regimen you have. I personally don't do a lot of sport. I mean, I do like basketball, and I do that kind of religiously, like at least three, three, three times a week, and a couple hours, like intensely. So I do get the cardio and that kind of movement. Uh, but other than that, I don't do any weights. I don't touch anything, and I kind of don't want to have to. I don't want to have to build my life around sport and become a sport fanatic and be a body fanatic. I want to be able to be a body, soul, and spirit fanatic, you know, where I'm working on all three. And I think a lot of people, because of this detox paradigm and they can't figure it out, the only way that they can detox is they, they, can, they just have to be a sports freak all the time. I met a lot of people like that in L.A. And then this creates an imbalanced culture as well, to this kind of problem of trying to detox through transpiration. And you, so you have to find a way to do things that kind of work for you without you having to do those things. And that allows you to have more of a different approach to life and less dependent on just sports and training and fitness and, you know, foodie and you, you get, you can get too lost in, in all of it. Uh, now I do think it's great to go through all that consciousness. Yes. Like, you know, reading every label, doing all this stuff and changing your diet, Cato, try this, try that, figure out what works for you. You know, uh, Western price foundation principles, uh, you know, nutrient dense foods, um, you know, and nose to tail. I don't think a lot of people even understand what nose to tail really is. I mean, have you ever eaten a nose or a tail? Probably not. But that's how our ancestors ate. And so once we really start realizing how, you know, what, that we're throwing away all these foods, throwing away the head of the lobster, the heads of the shrimp, where all the iodine is, you know, you stick a little teeny spoon in there, you pull out that, and it's like a little bit bitter, and it's like, man, it'll pick you up. But we're not doing it. We're just throwing it all away. So we have to like wake up because this is going to come full circle. Anyway, if that can be of help, um, start with all your other deficiencies. The number one deficiency in the world is magnesium deficiency. And through increasing your magnesium levels in the body, you increase all the other deficiencies, meaning you heal all the other deficiencies. Not perfectly, of course, because you still need to address those deficiencies. But you increase your reuptake and your your optimalization of the process of absorbing those same uh, minerals and vitamin D and everything else. They've proven this, that the more mag you take, the better your vitamin D status. Um, now, of course, you still have to take all those other ones too, but I'm not saying through vitamin form. There's a way to do it through food. Check us out at theheartradition.com. You'll see the books. We lay all this stuff out. There's also, um, there's also the magnesium supplement that we sell in glass bottles that we do always tell everyone to start on. And don't confuse it with all this stuff on the American market. We're the only product on the American market where you can call the source in Holland and talk to the engineers. Most of the American brands, 99% of them will not give you a certificate of origin. They won't tell you. They call it proprietary. They won't tell you where they're getting anything from. So for us, it's coming from Asia, and they're just remarketing it as Zexman. It's not the real thing. Always get it in glass, the blue bottles, heartoftradition.com, three bucks a week. Come check us out. Thanks.